Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 23. If you were here last week, you know that we are starting a, we started a series last week about this particular psalm and we're just going to kind of walk through it. I mentioned, I don't know how long this is going to take. In fact, even today's message, I was having a conversation with um, Leslie upstairs who's running the, the uh, screens for us today and there is more in there than I may get to today. If there's some places that are kind of natural stops and we're just going to see how the Lord kind of leads in the midst of this time because there is so much dense information in this passage and I want us to make sure we give it the breadth and the width that it needs and that we allow it to breathe as God speaks it into our lives. Uh, I want to show you a picture and see if anybody here recognizes this man. Does anybody know who this is? Probably not. I'm going to tell you his name. His name is Diamond Field Jack Davis. How many of you know Diamond Field Jack Davis? Me neither, all right? Diamond Field Jack Davis was a gunman in the Wild West. He was a prospector in Silver City, Idaho, where he prospected for diamonds. But that's not what he's best known for, even though that's how he got his nickname. He's best known for the fact that he was a contract killer, hired gun by the cattlemen of the area to kill shepherds. Did y'all know there was a big shepherd cattleman war in the late 1800s and early 1900s out on the Wild West? How many of you here watch, uh, how many of you here ever watch Westerns, old Westerns? How many of you there, all right? Anybody ever seen one about some really brave shepherds? No, right? What's out there? It's the cowboys, it's the, it's the cattle ranchers, but there was a real battle that happened in that time. In fact, um, Diamond Field Jack Davis was arrested. We've actually got a couple of his arrest pictures. As a young man, he was arrested as an older man. For killing shepherds. He was arrested, convicted, and three times was sentenced to be hanged. And all three times, cattlemen helped him escape. Part of the Wild West that we don't hear about is the shepherd slaughter that went on. There were two families, the Tewksbury's and the Grams. You know the Tewksbury's and the Grams, right? They warred for five years. Thirty-three of their families were, or their family members were killed. It's like Yellowstone out there. 1884, cowboys in Arizona ran a hundred wild horses into a 25,000 sheep herd. They had bedded down for the night, and a stampede caused 4,000 sheep to be killed in that night. In Brown County, Texas, Charles Hannon went out to find all 300 of his sheep one morning had their throats slit. In 1904, Wyoming cowboys chased 500 sheep off of a cliff in Bighorn Valley. And one historian said that at the turn of the century in the previous 10 years, around 1902, he said in the previous 10 years, Cowboys had killed 600,000 sheep and up to 500 people. There's even a plaque in Spring Creek 
about the Spring Creek Raid on April 2nd, 1909, which is considered the last big time that happened. But y'all realize that's just a little over 100 years ago, right? 1909, there were cattlemen. They were upset. And this is what caused all of the wars because some of the sheep herders had started bringing their sheep into the lands that their cows were grazing. Talk spread like wildfire, it says, that the big horns, that the deadline was crossed. And on a midnight night of April 2nd, 1909, seven masked riders approached the sheep's camp. Two wagons where the herders slept. They fired guns. They burned the wagons, burned both of the men alive. And it was that action that caused people to go, wait a minute, maybe this has gone too far. Now, why in the world... Were that kind of war happening in the American West between sheep herders and cattle? By the way, when all this was happening, sheep outnumbered cattle by almost two to one in the West. Well, here's the reason. Good shepherds were doing whatever they could to find good pasture for their sheep. They were going to whatever extents they could find to find a place where their sheep could graze and drink and lie down. In fact, that's what they needed. They needed a place with green grass, with an adequate water supply, and a place that offered them protection. And this isn't new. In fact, in First Chronicles chapter 4, and you don't have to go there, but in chapter 4 verse 41, it's telling these stories. It's really given a genealogy. And then it gets towards the end of that and it says, And they conquered these people. Why? Because their land was good for sheep to go to pasture. Psalm 23 reads, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. And even though I walk or go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows Only goodness and faithful love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. Today, I really want to talk to you about one picture that is in this passage of Scripture. When we read Psalm 23, we talked about last week that that first statement, the Lord is my shepherd, I have what I need, that first verse is kind of the introduction to the whole psalm and it gives us the picture of Yahweh, the divine, the holy, the great, the mighty, the all-powerful Yahweh is my, my personal, the one that has seen me and knows me and takes care of me, shepherd, the one making sure I'm protected and safe. And because the Lord is my shepherd, as long as I lean in to the fact that God Almighty, the Lord Yahweh, is my shepherd, my protector, my provider, that as long as that happens, I have what I need. Someone has rephrased that particular psalm and said, it could simply be read this way, the Lord is my shepherd, He is all I need. 
But then it goes to the second thing, and here's what really happens. The rest of this psalm is an explanation of the fact that we have what we need. And so the next verse that's in there is verse 2 that says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now there are a couple important things about this particular passage that are interesting to me. And the first is the phrase, lie down. There is a classic work on Psalm 23 by a man named Philip Keller who is a shepherd. And the title of the work is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. And he says that there is a much more detailed understanding of God's provision in our lives in the phrase, He makes me or lets me or advises me or gives me the opportunity to lie down in green pastures than we might see on the surface. He said, because sheep don't naturally want to lie down. He said, in fact, there are only a few cases when they will And there are four specific criteria that have to be met in their life in order for them to lie down. And he says what is given to us in this passage when it says he makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. What is being shown here is that it is a picture of peace, of settled, of calm Or in the biblical sense of the word peace, of wholeness, completeness, that we have everything we need. The four things, by the way, and I'll go through these quickly and then we're going to walk through each one of these. The four things that must be there in order for a sheep to lie down is that he must be free of fear, free of friction with other sheep, free of pests, and free of hunger. Let's start with free of fear. You may or may not know this. Sheep are timid and easily panicked. And a small scare, a stampede can cause. They're always nervous. They're always looking around. The main reason for that, as we talked about last week, is... They have really no natural defenses. They, we'll talk in a minute about the fact that they will sometimes headbutt some of the other sheep. But it comes to someone that's a predator, that's not a very good defense. In fact, their only recourse is to run. And they are anxious animals, animals that are a little skittish, if you will. One writer says that he had a group of sheep, not a lot of sheep, but a few sheep, He was raising them out in the country here in the United States and said that one of his friends, neighbors, called and said, we'd like to come visit. And they came and visited. And when she jumped out of the car, she jumped out of the car with a Pomeranian. Any of y'all ever seen Pomeranians? We owned a Pomeranian for a while, right? Pomeranians are not large dogs, but they think they are. They are hyperactive. They have, until they get older and can't, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Constantly fretting from one place to another. So they let the Pomeranian out of the truck. The Pomeranian runs out, gives a couple of barks, and the sheep 
much bigger than the Pomeranian, start running any way they can. He said it took him hours to corral the sheep back into a place where they were comfortable. And he told his neighbor, don't ever bring that dog again. Right? They're just skittish. He said a a rabbit could jump out of the bushes and sheep would start running. They're just anxious. They're always fretting. They're always worried about it. And they will not lie down in a meadow, in a pasture, unless they feel completely free of fear. They won't relax. It's almost like the fans of a particular football program that have seen over the last 15 years the ability to lose in every possible way until the kick goes through the uprights we don't believe it can actually happen. We're skittish and anxious and scared. Hypothetically. Do you remember last week I mentioned that God compares us to sheep a lot? Over 200 times in Scripture, God compares us to sheep. And there are lots of reasons for that. And we talked about a little bit last week. But one of the reasons is, by nature, when Cut off from the shepherd, we are anxious people. Have you sensed that there's more anxiety today than there's ever been? If you sense that, that's because, according to research, there is. In fact, there was in the first year of the COVID pandemic, there was a 25% increase in anxiety and depression worldwide. 25% increase in anxiety and depression. Now, some of that may have been that every one of us watched a news conference or most of us watched a news conference or got news from social media every afternoon about how bad the situation was. Aren't you glad the news is all positive now? Right? We've never had more access to more news about more things that are not what we necessarily want to hear. We live in the information age and people thought one of the realities of the information age is that would free us, that we would be able to be able to be expanded and have our minds be able to be opened to all these wonderful new things. The reality is we just find out bad news faster and more widely spread than ever before. And because of that, we are more anxious as a nation than we have ever been. I'm reading along with this message series, several devotionals and Thoughts about this passage from shepherds themselves. And one of the things that they talk about is the only thing that can calm the anxiety of the sheep in the midst of moments when they feel fearful or they're afraid or they're anxious is literally putting their eyes on and recognizing the voice of their shepherd. And he said sometimes it gets so crazy that the anxiety grabs them and they're running so frantically and they're all doing it together that they can't stop and focus on the shepherd. And because of that, it leads to mass chaos. But if they can ever in that moment stop and look at, put their attention on, think about the fact that the shepherd is among them, they immediately begin to calm down and settle. 
Now we're going to see when we get there in verse 4 that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we can fear no evil. And what's the reason that we can fear no evil? It says right there, spoiler alert, if you've not read Psalm 23, 4 before, if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. The shepherd's presence makes the difference. In fact, just to let you know, we're going to talk about these other three things that you have to be free of to truly settle down, to lie down in the green pasture. And all of them involve the shepherd being there. In our world of anxiety and chaos, in our world of unknown When it seems like every day there's a new variant or a new struggle or a new war scenario. When our leaders are talking about nuclear war for the first time in a long time. When if you turn on the television to anything local, you're bombarded with ads that tell you how bad everybody is. In a world of anxiety, it's more important than ever for us to stop and to focus on the shepherd. Psalm 4a, just a few chapters before this says, I will lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. You know the difference, don't you, between lying down and sleeping and lying down and sleeping in peace? There's a difference. We've all had those nights. Maybe you've had them recently. Maybe with something that's happening in your life. Maybe something coming up. Maybe an anticipation. Maybe worry over something that's happened in the past. When it's fitful sleeping. When you're sleeping but you're not really able to relax. And then we've also had those nights. Or I hope you've experienced them. Hopefully recently. When you can lay down and the moment your head hits the pillow, you are gone. Psalm 4.8 says that the key to that is our trust in the Lord. Sheep will not lie down in a pasture unless it is free of fear. The second reason that a sheep will not lie down is that it has to be free of friction with other sheep. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but every kind of animal has a established order that they hold in and among their group. And so, for instance, among chickens, they talk about who's a kind of leader or follower, who's got authority and who doesn't, and they call it what? The pecking order, right? Y'all know that comes from chickens? All right, the pecking order, right? In cows, they have it, and they call it the horning order because males, they begin to they flash their horns and to do out. Does anybody know what they call it among sheep? Because there is an established place among sheep. Does anybody know what they call it? They call it the budding order. Because the way that sheep show their dominance with one another is that they headbutt the other sheep, either in the head or... In the side. In fact, the phrase that we talk about, about two people that are stubbornly arguing with one another and can't get past an impasse is what they continue to butt heads. 
It comes from sheep and rams and those kind of animals because that's what they do. And so shepherds talk about that oftentimes they'll see that there'll be an older sheep or a bigger sheep and they'll walk up to the weaker or the smaller. And if they're on a particularly good little piece of grass, that they'll walk up to them and they'll make a noise like get off my grass. And they don't. They'll just start butting them to get out of the way. One shepherd described it as sheep bullying. He said as a result of that, that most sheep end up being edgy and tense. They're often in conflict with other sheep and they have this chance that he needs to be ready to defend their rights and contest challenges that may come up. They're disconnected from each other. They're, they're always wary. They're always on defense. They're always closed off, not wanting to engage in the herd. They separate themselves into particular groups, particular places, particular segments, and then they ward off as they look at each other in a condescending, confrontational way. Again, I don't know if you caught this, but God calls us sheep over 200 times in Scripture. And he says that the way that that stops is that the shepherd makes himself Known among the sheep. I didn't see this anywhere, but the way that I kind of imagined it is when you walk on your, in on your kids wrestling with each other. Right? My brother and I used to wrestle a lot. I know that's shocking. They were five and a half years apart. We would engage in various wrestling. And there was a time in my life when I could do absolutely nothing about it. And then there was a time when I began to figure some things out. But no matter what position we were in, all of that wrestling, if at any moment we heard the footsteps of one of our parents walking towards the area where we were engaging in the particular wrestling activity, we stopped and acted like we were the best of friends in that moment. Has anybody ever done that, experienced that? All right. Thanks. Jamie, I appreciate that. You're the only one here. Thanks. Anybody ever walked in on your kids and you know they've been disagreeing, they've been arguing and And then suddenly you walk in and it's like, oh, we're good. We're good. Mom and dad are here. That's great. And you see them like, like they whisper to each other and they think you don't catch that they're whispering to each other. Right. He says the presence of the shepherd is what calms people down. We live in a fractured world where unfortunately social media has made it easier than ever to find ourselves grouped into particular categories and to go at it with the other categories. Political parties, sport allegiances, particular viewpoints about development and growth in communities, school systems and curriculum, All of them important matters, but they're not important enough to split people that call themselves believers into separate camps that are arguing with one another in a way that is not honoring to God. How do you stop it? Do you recognize the presence of the shepherd? 
Third thing that they have to be free of in order to lie down is they have to be free of pests. Now that seems kind of strange to put in the midst of this. It is not something, honestly, that I would have ever looked for. But it says that apparently flies and ticks are a constant worry. Can you imagine if a tick gets through the wool of a sheep and latches on how difficult it would be to find that out? And especially in summer, they can't lie down if there are flies buzzing all around them. During a summer in college, I served as camp pastor for Cross Point Sports Camp, and we were at Judson College in Marion, Alabama, and we were below what I came to find out was called the Nat Line. And apparently, at this particular three weeks, we were at Judson College in Marion, Alabama, was Nat season. And in order to coach the sports that we were coaching, I was helping with flag football, we literally would have to hold a hand above our head and teach because we were told gnats fly to the highest point on your body. And so we would be out there teaching football and everybody's like, I see that hand. Like our hands were raised the whole time because they would fly around your hand and not your eyes. Now, you can imagine if you could lay down, some of you camped, some of you enjoy that kind of thing, more power to you, right? And you lay down and you don't have the proper protection and there are mosquitoes and gnats and stuff flying around your head. It could be worrisome and not allow you to rest. Philip Keller says that good shepherds are diligent in this place. They look for pest-free zones. They look for shades and covers where pests won't be. They invest in insect repellents. They dip their sheep in order to stop ticks from latching on. And he says all of that is to protect against the smallest irritations that can prevent rest in the lives of the sheep. When it says... That God allows us to lie down in green pastures or makes us or shows us. It means that he'll take care even then. If we'll turn them over to him, he will help us deal with the smallest irritations of our lives that can cause discomfort for us. We all have those things in our lives that we know are not as big of a deal as they are causing us to make them in our lives. Irritations, irritants, little things. And it says if you will trust the shepherd in the midst of that, he will make it a pest-free zone. And then here's the last one, what they have to have in order to lie down. They have to be free of hunger. Sheep are like uh, several other animals that have multiple stomachs. Things that you never thought you'd uh, hear in a message is how sheep regurgitate their food in order to eat it. So what happens is they apparently, when they go into a meadow full field, they eat lots of their food. They put it into one stomach. I'm holding it here. I have no idea where it is on the sheep body. Let's just imagine it's here. Right, And then when they have enough in that one stomach, they go and lie down, belch up some of that back into their mouth, 
chew on it to digest it more, and then swallow it into another stomach that takes care of the rest. And so literally, a sheep will spend a few hours in the morning grazing and then lay down and for the next few hours will digest his food by regurgitating and eating, regurgitating and eating. Um, just over and over, belch, swallow, belch, swallow. I'm sure, I've never seen it, but I'm sure it's a lovely, lovely moment. But they said, here's the deal. You can only do that in a field that's been taken care of and is prepared and is ready. And that a sheep will only lie down when the other three are taken care of. They're protected. They'll only eat when they feel protected. They'll only eat when they're not worried about their fellow sheep attacking them. They'll only eat when the pests are not around. And as they're eating, only when they've had their fill and they are satisfied will they lie down. So let's just think about that picture for a moment. What seems like just an ordinary phrase, he makes me lie down, it almost sounds like go over there and go to bed. That's not what's intended here. What's intended here is that God will provide everything we need to rest securely in Him. If we will but trust Him as our shepherd. We are under the ownership and the management of the Lord. And He will provide our needs. Material, emotional, spiritual, relational, eternal, external, internal. In a 19th century hymn, Martha Cook wrote, In some way or other, the Lord will provide. It may not be my way. It may not be your way. And yet in His own way, the Lord will provide. The point of, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, the next phrase means that we can rest, we can be confident, we can relax in the midst of that. And so when we think about this particular verse, when we think about this entire psalm, one of the themes that is running throughout it that we need to pay attention to and listen to and take heed of is the Lord's command to us through the Good Shepherd Jesus that follows along this path is that we don't need to worry. And I'm not coming at this from a place of stop worrying. If you're worrying, you're minimizing God, although you are. If you're worrying, you're maximizing your problems, although you are. I'm coming from a place today of the Lord is my shepherd, and because of that, I can rest in Him. He will take care of the needs of my life that would prevent me from relaxing and resting in Him. Christians ought to be the most contented, confident people because we have a God who has promised to take care of us maybe not in the way we expect or the way other people expect but in his way he is going to protect and provide and nourish and clear out the pest of our lives and give us the opportunity to lie down in green pastures not in barren pastures not in places that aren't important or good or right for us but are in places that are significant for our needs that are give us what we are calling for in the deepest parts of our soul. And not only that, he's going to take us by still water. I mentioned last week that sometimes sheep would, would just 
hear water and they would jump in and because of that their wool would get wet and they would flop in. The other scenario is a lot of times sheep who, who were, there are some that will dive head first into that kind of thing and there are many who are tepid, who are worried, who are anxious and they will not come close to any kind of water that is moving for fear that it's going to do something to them. And so they need still, quiet waters. And the point here is that God is going to put us in a place, God is going to give us what we need to be completely taken care of according to the needs that He sees in our lives and we can trust Him with it. Jesus said in his teaching, there's no benefit in worrying. You can't add any time to your life. In fact, if you read all the medical research, worry detracts from the amount of time you live on this earth. Most of the things that we worry about never come to pass or are things that are completely out of our control. And so today, as you read Psalm 23, and I'd encourage you during this time just to read Psalm 23 once a day. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be in this passage probably till around Thanksgiving. Just once a day. Put it somewhere. You can put it on your mirror or put it somewhere on your desk or put it somewhere in your house, on your refrigerator, and just read Psalm 23. It doesn't take very long at all. The addition to your other biblical reading, if you're not doing any Bible reading, it can be your Bible reading for the day. But Psalm 23 reminds us The Lord is my shepherd. I don't have anything to worry about. Even if people come at me and I'm concerned about the smallest things in our lives or the big issues that may come or I'm worried about what might happen to my needs in life, God will provide. And I need to just follow Him. Today I wonder how many of you walked into this place with something that you're anxious about. A medical situation in your life or in the life of someone in your family or one of your friends. I wonder how many of you walked in today anxious about um, job or business or the economy or what's happening in the multitude of things. Your 401k, your retirement plan has gone up in smoke. The word recession being bandied about and what that would mean for you and a house that you're upside down on now and how you're going to survive in the midst of this market. Anxious about the political turmoil happening around the world and in our own country. Anxious about your own grades or your own job performance, your family, your kids, your parents. Worried about what might be going on with a relationship. I wonder how many of you today walked in feeling like there's something in your life that you don't have and you need it. That you have, you're not content with where you are, with what you have, with your station in life, your position in life, or your material needs, your emotional, like you don't have what you need. There's no contentment or in a particular area you're not content. I wonder how many of you walked in here today and there's friction. Maybe friction with someone in this congregation. Maybe friction with someone in your workplace. Maybe friction with someone outside of the workplace. Maybe you're a part of a group that is really upset with another group. And you feel the tension that comes from that. Or maybe you walked in here today 
And it's just small stuff, but man, it's getting on your nerves. It's causing you to act in ways that you don't want to act, and it's causing you not to be able to relax and rest. And you know that it shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is, but you just can't rest. And today the Lord is saying He is here to relieve us of all of that, to give us the opportunity to lie down in green pastures near still waters. And the invitation to you today is to leave that with the Lord. To surrender your worry and your anxiety. To surrender the small details of your life and the relationships that you're walking through and the needs that you feel you have. Surrender that to the Lord. And trust in Him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the promises that come from this shepherd calling you his shepherd. And the beauty that comes in our lives when we surrender to you and the anxiety and the worry that might be there we give it to you I pray Lord if there are those here today that need to just release that that need to just give that up Lord that you would allow them in this place to surrender their anxiety their worry their small things that are getting on their nerves they would surrender that to you Lord, they would allow you to remind them that because of you they have no need. Lord, I pray that in this moment we would allow the distractions of our lives to just fall away and we would remind ourselves of the goodness of who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.